Good morning, Mosaic. Uh, Andrew Richardson here filling in for Pastor Angel. So great to see all of you this morning. Really, really excited uh, this Memorial Day weekend to uh, invite you in today to uh, worship and to be with us. So I'm just going to open us up with a, um, a moment of prayer briefly, and then I've got uh, some great information for you today, uh, some great worship, some great sermons, a uh, lot of interactivity today, uh, some videos from Melissa and the kids team as well. So stay tuned for that. But thank you so much. Why don't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we just thank you and give you all the glory today. Um, please be with us for this sermon. Uh, please be with us for this worship. Please be with us as we commune in your name together apart today, Lord Jesus. And we just thank you um, and, and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. I'm going to um, start us off here this morning with a couple of um, notes of thank you and a slideshow from Melissa and the kids team. So bear with me one second. We'll get that going. Hello, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Melissa Min, Director of Children and Families at Mosaic Community Church. And I have a special message for all of the volunteers and teachers of the children's ministry at Mosaic. Each year, as a church community, take the time to thank our volunteers and teachers who work with the kids and youth with a big breakfast, gifts, and notes of appreciation. However, because we cannot be physically together right now, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you virtually. This is one of my absolute favorite parts of my role here at Mosaic. I love getting a chance to say thank you to the people who do all the hard work and heart work with the children and families, both in our church and in the wider community in West Philly. Thank you for loving our children, for taking such good care of them, and for teaching them about the love of Jesus. Not only do you share the stories of how Jesus loved and served people around him, you model and demonstrate how to love and live like Jesus did. You do this when you hold a child and comfort them. You do this when you warmly welcome our children each week into the nursery and their classrooms, and when you take the time to get to know each of them. You do this when you play with them and act silly with them. You do this when you communicate to them that they are loved, seen, and cherished as valuable members of our church community. By investing in the lives of our children and youth, not only are you forming important relationships with them, you are also planting the seeds of faith and love in their hearts and lives. When my own kids come home excitedly on Sundays, telling me about what they learned in their classes and the fun games that they played, I know that church is not just something we do as a family on Sundays. Church, or more specifically, Mosaic, is our family. And each of you are a part of our children's family. And like family, you have helped to raise our children collectively, taking good care of them, and leading them to love and live as Jesus did. So thank you. When I look back at the history of the children's ministry in our church, going well back over a decade, 
I can't help but be in awe and in gratitude by how God has loved us and blessed us through these years. When Kenny and I started attending this church 13 years ago, I believe there were only two kids who made up the ministry, Annabelle Richardson and Matt Ipok, two very cute preschoolers who have since grown up to be amazing and gifted high schoolers. 13 years later, the children's ministry is serving 75 children during our Sunday morning programs and over 100 children throughout the year through our various outreach and community events like Water Ice Wednesdays, the big Halloween party at Ham, and Summer Celebration, our collaborative event with City Church. Our programming for children and families has grown in size, content, and intention. The children in our church engage in the larger church's mission of becoming an anti-racist church, exploring what it means to love those who are most oppressed in our community, just like Jesus did. We practice mindfulness together as a way of taking care of ourselves and tapping into the peaceful, loving, still presence of God. What I see is that the children of Mosaic have a community with one another and with you. This amazing team of volunteers and teachers is also a beautiful community itself. And as a community, I see that we are intentionally caring for each other, supporting each other, praying for one another, and practically loving and serving one another. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Each of you has played a vital role in helping to make the ministry what it is today. And I am so lucky and blessed to get to work besides each of you. You are the heart of Mosaic, and I'm so grateful for your commitment to our children and families. May God bless each of you and pour into your lives in the same way you have blessed us and poured into us. I'll close with a loving kindness blessing for each of you during these times. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be at peace. May you be loved. Thank you so much, teachers and volunteers. I love you so much, and I miss you all, and can't wait for the day when we can all physically be together. Take good care. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Going to turn it over. Yeah, clap all around, please. Going to turn it over to Jeff now for some awesome worship this morning. Thanks, Jeff. Good morning, Mosaic Community Church. I miss you all. I hope you're doing well. And so today I'll be playing three songs for you, two in the beginning and one in the end. I hope that they bless your lives and that they connect with Keith's message. Um, and I just pray that the Holy Spirit will fill your rooms wherever you are and that these songs will really touch your hearts. Feel free to sing along. The lyrics are sent out. We're going to start with Hallelujah for the Cross. <laughs>
you have won me with your kindness chased me down when i was lost where would i be if it wasn't for the cross oh hallelujah thank you jesus i was a prisoner now i'm not because with your blood you for my freedom, oh, hallelujah, from cross. All my shame was met with mercy. Now your mercy will be my song and all the glory. Oh, the power of the cross, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, I was a prisoner. Now I'm not, cause with your blood you bore my freedom, oh, hallelujah, from the cross. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. Our sin is overcome, it is finished, it is done. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. Our sin is overcome, it is finished, it is done. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. Our sin is overcome, it is finished, it is done. By your stripes I'm healed, by your death I live. Our sin is overcome, it is finished, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, I was a prisoner. Now I'm not, comes with your blood, you for my freedom, oh, hallelujah, for the cross. Now we're going to sing All the Poor and Powerless.
the hearts who are content. And all who feel unworthy. All who heard with nothing left. And all that you are holy. Oh, we'll sing of hallelujah, and we will cry of hallelujah. Shout it. Go on and scream it from the Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so, so much. Um, really appreciate it. I'm going to invite up uh, Brother Andre now, who's going to uh, spend about two or three minutes uh, talking to us about prayer. Thanks, Andre. Good morning. Uh, I'm Andre. I'm Gabriel's brother. Uh, for those I haven't met, I would like to uh, talk about praying together today. 
um, I've really been blessed by chances to pray with people as part of the prayer ministry. It's one thing I really love. There's power in the spoken word. Uh, the word tells us that when we speak words of love, we build each other up. We can speak words of hatred and anger. That just builds, tears people down. <clears throat> it also says wherever two or more of us are gathered, uh, Jesus is with us when we gather in his name. Uh, he joins with us. So let us join together and join with many together to uh, enable the spirit to use our prayers. When we feel sad or downtrodden, it seems counterintuitive to reach out and ask for prayer, um, but we know that's what, what will help. And it's hard to make choices based on how we feel, but the truth never changes. Uh, and use what you know to help when you're feeling sad. Uh, let someone pray for you. <clears throat> it's pr praying is a privilege. Uh, if you know how to pray, you know something that a lot of people in the world don't. Uh, so use that knowledge to bless other people. Uh, the word says to ask and you'll receive. And it also says that when we make our prayers and petitions known to God, we receive peace uh, that passes understanding. So it's our, our, our privilege as Christians to share our burdens with each other. We weren't meant to, to struggle alone. Um, I live alone and, and praying with people really helps me to feel a part of the community. <clears throat> um, and also kids, you are the ones that we are supposed to model as adults. When you pray, Jesus hears you. Pray with your parents and pray for, with each other. God loves you and wants uh, to use your prayers. So I'm asking you all to be open this week um, to have someone pray with you or to, to pray with someone else. Ask God if there's someone uh, that is in need that you can pray for. <clears throat> and uh, I bet you'll provide that opportunity. And I would like to invite you all to join us for our first uh, prayer vigil this coming Friday. Lord, I just thank you so much for making us a people who are praying, uh, who are part of what you're doing in this world. Help us to pray when we feel sad and help us to pray with one another. Help us to use our voices to bless each other with your love. Amen. Thanks, Andre. Really appreciate it. Uh, it is my pleasure now to introduce Keith Wilburn. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about him today um, from some info from Pastor Angel. So Pastor Angel and Keith, uh, Reverend Keith Wilburn met over 24 years ago in Boston while both were working at an urban ministry. Pastor Angel has had the joy of watching Keith mature in ministry from their work together with children and youth in Boston, uh, attending seminary in the greater Philly area, and then serving in his first position as an associate minister to Keith becoming one of her pastors at Bridgetown out in Coatesville. Currently, Keith works part-time for Hopewell UMC as pastor of The Well, their urban outreach initiative, and Keith is the founder and executive director of Coatesville Kids to College, where he and his staff work to improve the educational opportunities for under-resourced children and youth. He's committed to seeing that each child that desires to attend college is prepared and supported. So we've had Keith come and join us for worship. We get the pleasure of hearing him speak today. So please join me in welcoming Reverend Keith Wilburn to us today. Good morning, Mosaic. It is uh, great to be with you uh, this morning. Let me uh, pray for our time together. Uh, Lord God, we give you all glory, honor, power, uh, 
this day. We just rejoice in this opportunity to be with you. And I pray that your spirit would uh, be moving amongst all of us, that you would be unifying us through your spirit. And I pray, God, that you would uh, use me uh, this morning uh, simply to uh, speak your word, your truth. Um, I pray, God, that you would remove anything from me that is mine, that would hinder uh, your word, uh, that I would simply be an instrument in your hands. And I pray for the congregation, Lord God, that you would be preparing hearts, minds to receive uh, from you what you want, what you desire each person to receive from you this day. So we thank you for this time, this space, for this community. We ask your blessing upon it in your name. Amen. Amen. So it is uh, great to be with you. I uh, am going to kind of uh, jump off of Pastor Angel's a theme of expectations from a few weeks ago, and she talked about the road to Emmaus. And one of the things that I appreciated her talking about is just this season that we are in of uh, having unmet expectations. Um, I know she talked about that as the uh, disciples uh, had unmet expectations as Jesus was crucified. And Today we're going to pick up the story as uh, Jesus returns to the disciples and gives them what uh, we call the Great Commission. So let's start by looking at our scripture together, and then I'll share some, some thoughts with you, church. Our scripture reading is from Matthew 28, 16 through 20, and it reads this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. And so a lot of times, church, I think we, I know I have done, look at this scripture and just imagine that Jesus has uh, given the disciples kind of this message and they receive it and they just go and do it. But uh, I think in the context, the historical context, we need to understand that this was a shocking uh, proclamation from Jesus, that this devastated, upon first hearing it, all of the expectations they had. I think of expectations that I've had these last few months that have been uh, kind of dashed, uh, my family was planning to go on a, a spring vacation together that was canceled. My children are part of sports leagues, which have been canceled. My daughter was graduating from eighth grade and that ceremony has been canceled. And I think of all the things that maybe we're grieving over, but I don't think, at least for me, any of the expectations that I've had compare to uh, the expectations that um, the disciples had and had dashed by this announcement from Jesus, because I think we need to understand uh, just what the expectation 
of a Messiah was. The, the Jews' uh, expectation of a coming Messiah was that this Messiah would come and would deliver all of Israel from the oppressive rule of the Gentiles, that the coming of the Messiah would usher in this uh, kingdom of God, this uh, just, uh, beautiful new reign on the earth. And we know this because our Old Testament is full of these passages of um, these kind of uh, prophetic views of what the Messiah was going to do when he came. And I, just to give you an example, I want to read one of these to you from Isaiah 11. I think it's one of the most beautiful passages that we have in the scriptures. Um, but Isaiah 11 talks about the peaceful kingdom. And it says this, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he shall, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This is all prophecy of what the Messiah will be like. And it goes on to say, he shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness, he'll judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he'll kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt around his waist, faithfulness the belt around his loins. And listen to this poetic vision. I think it's beautiful. And the wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. The child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Mosaic, isn't this a beautiful image? <laughs> this idea that uh, warring parties are brought to peaceful resolution, this idea that where some have power over others, uh, these animals that used to hunt and kill, these weaker animals that now they are in an equal position, living peacefully together. And it creates this beautiful image of what God's kingdom is like, a peaceful, equitable, just community of people living together where no one will hurt or destroy on my holy mountain. And so the Old Testament mosaic is full of these passages where uh, the prophets are proclaiming that someone is going to come and restore this peaceable kingdom to the earth, return it to uh, Eden, what it was like before the fall. And so we have to understand that at the time of Jesus' coming, the Jews were uh, expectant for this Messiah to come and, and do this thing. We know that the Jews were ruled by the Roman Empire, a very oppressive uh, government that was taxing them heavily, unjustly to pay for the Roman expansion. We know that 
the Jews did not have full control over their government and self-rule, but that uh, the Romans were making decisions for the Jews and were often restricting their ability to uh, worship uh, their God and to celebrate uh, the way that they wanted to in the temple. And so the Jews were longing, they were oppressed, and they were longing for a Messiah, an emissary of God, to come and overthrow this oppressive Gentile uh, power and usher in this kingdom of righteousness and justice. So we know, right, this is why there was this great celebration at Palm Sunday. There was this belief that Jesus was going to Jerusalem to usher in this kingdom, and we can understand the complete despair when Jesus is crucified and the disciples question, is he really the Messiah? And so then we have to understand that as Jesus is resurrected and appears, has defeated death and has come back victorious, I can imagine that the disciples are newly energized and newly thrilled that yes, Jesus is the Messiah, that yes, maybe he is actually going to do what we hoped he would do. And so as they're standing there and Jesus begins to speak to them, I think they're even more excited when they hear these words. When Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me in that passage we just read. And I think they're especially excited to hear that because Jesus is pulling directly from another one of these prophecies in the Old Testament. From Daniel 7, listen to what Daniel 7, 13 to 14 says. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven, another vision of the Messiah. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom, one that will never be destroyed. And so I think, church, that as the disciples see this resurrected Christ with new power, and then they hear Jesus quoting this uh, prophetic scripture about the coming Messiah who will usher in the kingdom, uh, they must have been ecstatic. This is him. He's really going to do it. The kingdom is really going to be realized through Jesus. This is the moment they've all been waiting for, right? And so it must be a complete shock, right? We need to understand that this great commission must have been an amazing shock when the next line after him declaring his authority and power is, therefore, you go. You go. (laughs) I imagine the disciples looking at each other and saying, what did he just say? What are you talking about? You have authority, you have power, Jesus, so we're going to go? They never expected Jesus to say this. They never expected that Jesus' plan, that the Messiah's plan for bringing about, for ushering in the kingdom of God into the earth would be to take ordinary people. That 
ordinary people would be the ones that would bring about this kingdom, that would bring about this change, that would spread the kingdom of God through the world. It came as a total shock, a total surprise. See, Jesus' plan was not to use his power directly and immediately to bring about the restoration of the world, but rather to bestow this power on the disciples. What Pastor Angel has been preaching about, the instilling of the Spirit of God, this is part of Jesus' plan for us to receive his Spirit, his power, so that we can be uh, the ones who go out into the world to spread the kingdom, to spread God's presence through what Jesus says, discipleship. For us to go out through the world modeling uh, this life with Jesus, inviting people to enter in. I love where Jesus says that, go out, make disciples, teach them my words, right? To teach them what I have taught you about the kingdom, to love your enemy, to turn the other cheek, to resist this violent tendency of the world and preach a new way of peaceful resolution. That whatever you do, do it for the least of these. Love your neighbor as yourself, the great call of a society based on equity and equality of all, where we don't treat anyone different than we would want to be treated. The greatest of these is the one who serves, creating a new dynamic of what it means to have power and what it means to be in leadership, to become a servant to others and not to store up for yourself treasures on earth, to press against that idea that materialism and pursuing these things brings happiness or joy, but to be a people who share resources and are committed to healthy, loving relationship. This is the radical message that Jesus has called the disciples. This is how Jesus calls the disciples, how calls us, his people, to bring about this kingdom. And while this is a beautiful vision, I can imagine the disciples saying things like, we can't go to all the nations, convert the Gentiles. We can't change the world. We can't change minds. We can't make a dent in the way the world works. We're too small. We're just a handful of people. But this is why it's so important that Jesus encourages them. I will always be with you. It's that encouragement that Jesus doesn't expect them or us to do this work alone but that Jesus says, I will be with you. My power is with you. Sometimes we take that phrase, I will always be with you, and we think it's just meant to bring us comfort when we're lonely or when we send our kids off to college to give them comfort that Jesus is always present or just if we're having a bad day that we remind each other that Jesus is with us. And I think Jesus is with us and we can use it that way, but the context Jesus is, uses it is that I'm sending you out to do this incredible work in the world. And while it might seem overwhelming, and when you feel overwhelmed, remember, I am with you. That we can do this together because my power is present in you and with you. This great uh, encouragement that we are not meant to do it alone. And I want to encourage us, church, 
with this passage today because I think sometimes churches can lose focus on what uh, we are called, what we're supposed to do, that we think that maybe the primary goal of church is to worship God or the primary goal of church is to uh, maybe just study the Bible or to uh, encourage one another. And I think all of these things are pieces of it. But when we look at this great commission, we need to understand that we, as the people of God, have been called to bring about God's kingdom on this earth by teaching others, by giving people a vision of what this new community can look like and does look like, and inviting them in to be a part of it. I want to give us just a beautiful example of what uh, this can look like, just how a church, a church movement can actually uh, bring about the kingdom, bring about kingdom values to the world. And I know a lot of you are, are familiar, know a lot about the civil rights movement back in the 60s and 70s, but I want to share with you um, a little about it and just reframe it in a context. We often think about the civil rights movement as a great activist movement or political movement, but the civil rights movement was actually a church movement. It was a Christian movement started in the church, uh, led by a pastor to bring about transformation in the world. And so I wanna take a look at Birmingham, Alabama in 1963. And we have this example of what uh, was understood as the Jim Crow laws, right? These laws which uh, gave uh, white people in the South privileges and powers while disempowering, keeping uh, African-Americans and other people of color in a place of submission. And the church was faced with this inequality. The church was faced with uh, this great uh, oppression, and a lot of churches opted not to respond, that it wasn't their place uh, to address social issues. But thank God for organizations like the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, for the leadership of Martin Luther King Jr., who was a pastor, pastoring a church, because they saw these uh, this inequity, and let's take a look at some of these slides of just what Jim Crow uh, looked like. So many businesses in the South uh, were only right for white people only. The next slide. Uh, if you went to movie theaters, uh, African-Americans had to sit up in the balcony, what were considered the lesser seats further away. Uh, it was nicknamed the crow's nest. And so different entrances, uh, restrooms were designated uh, for different uh, groups of people, black and white. And what happened was what was offered to African-Americans and other people of color were significantly less than what was offered uh, to white people. So there's this incredible inequity that was taking place in our nation for years and years and years and which was really allowed to exist. And so Martin Luther King Jr. and other Christian leaders and pastors saw that this was not the way that God's kingdom operates. And they understood that their job as the church, that their job as Christians was not to simply pray about it, not to simply hope 
that uh, things would get better, not to wait for Jesus to come back, but that Jesus had empowered them, that Jesus was with them, and the call was to press against anything that was not of the kingdom of God, this just, equitable, peaceful, loving kingdom. And so what happened is the church mobilized. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and other leaders uh, mobilized to press against the kingdom of this earth, to bring about the kingdom of God, to challenge the ways that the earth was working against God's kingdom. And what I love is that they always started these movements in the church. And so uh, before they would uh, do their protests, before they would challenge uh, through sit-ins, through peaceful protest, they always started in the church. This was a church movement. And so Dr. King would preach to uh, about this justice and equity, about the power of God that the church had access to, about their call to confront evil in the world. And then they would spend time worshiping God, connecting with God, uh, allowing themselves to be aligned with God's spirit of justice, but with God's spirit of peace and power as well. And so worship was a tool for empowering and connecting so that the work of God could be done on this earth. And then they would march out of the church building together, unified with the spirit of God present uh, with them. And they needed it because what they were confronting, the evil, the injustice they were confronting was not going to just roll over, was not just going to get up and leave because they wanted it to, but it needed to be confronted. And a lot of times, church, the evil uh, constructs of this world, the, the inequity, the systems of injustice, a lot of people gain a lot of power and privilege from those systems. And they are not willingly going to just move and get out of the way. And so the people of God would march to confront. And when they marched to do their sit-ins, to do their peaceful protest, they were often met with violence. And so in Birmingham, they were met with uh, attack dogs. They were met with high pressure hoses. They were met by a police force that used uh, brutality to, uh, sub to oppress them and to lock them up. And Dr. King on Good Friday in 1963 was also imprisoned. Um, and where he wrote his famous letters from a Birmingham jail. But he trained and taught the way of Jesus to his disciples so that they would not resist with violence, so that they would not resist, um, that they would not fight back using uh, earthly human uh, methods, but that they would simply stand, that they would simply march, that they would go, and that as they were met by this uh, violent resistance, they would continue to stand and continue to go and continue to march against it. And as more and more were jailed, as there were more and more examples, very clear examples of these Christians who are peaceful, who are under control against this violent uh, uh, system of government, the world uh, began to cry out about the injustice. And the world began to demand justice for 
um, African Americans in the South and the pressure built and built and built and built until finally that oppressive system was overcome and was conquered. And so in 1964, just a year after this specific march, there were many mores. There were many more. The Civil Rights Act was passed, which prohibited racial discrimination in hiring practices and public service throughout the United States and which really uh, dismantled the entire Jim Crow uh, system, which is why we do not have Jim Crow laws in the South today. Uh, it was a church movement. It was uh, a movement by the people of God who took Jesus's great commission seriously and said, it is our role to bring about alongside Jesus, alongside his power, to press against those oppressive systems in our world that do not represent the kingdom. It is our role to give an example of the kingdom to this world and to invite people into this role. And I think sometimes, church, that we uh, forget the power we have. We can even forget the call we have. And and this message for us at Mosaic is an encouragement because I know that at the core of your mission and your values, um, even as was said by your children's ministry leader to press against racism, that uh, this is uh, a part of who you are. And so I want this to be an encouragement today, church. I have been encouraged by some movements uh, in the United States recently, right? The Black Lives Matter movement in response to Trayvon Martin and what's happened to a number of other uh, African-Americans at the hands of, uh, of, of corrupt police officers. The Me Too movement, which is bringing about greater awareness of uh, how women are treated in the workplace or abused in different settings. Even the climate change movement by uh, Greta Thornburg, uh, who is leading kind of this movement. Um, I'm encouraged by all these different movements that are crying out for greater justice, that are crying out for greater equity, that are crying out for a healthier treatment of our world. Um, but I have to be honest that one of the things that has been discouraging to me is that these are not movements that were started by the church. These are not movements that Christians uh, we're at the forefront leading, that Christians are at the forefront uh, initiating. And so there have been churches that have come alongside, but still to this day, there are churches that say that is not our role, that is not our place. That I've heard, I can't tell you how many times, Mosaic, I've heard that Christians were created uh, to worship and that our primary role on this earth is to worship God. And I push against that and I say, that's not biblical that we were created to love, to love God. And our primary role is to love God and love our neighbors. And worship is a part of that, is a part of expressing love to God, but it's a small piece because our true calling as we received at the Great Commission was to go out into this world, to do the messianic work that the disciples expected Jesus to do. He instilled us with his power and promised to be with us so that we could do that work in the world. And so it's a daunting call, 
but for me, it's also an exciting call. It's a call that I've committed my life to, um, to bringing about justice where I can, to fighting for equity where I can, to proclaim a Jesus who loves and believes in all of these things, and that being a Christian uh, is about uh, bringing about the kingdom of God uh, in this world. And so Mosaic, I think the call, the challenge, the call for you is um, to be, continue to be and continue to press into what does it mean to be a prophetic church, a church that is standing for things that a lot of other churches don't. I was so encouraged a few weeks ago and I heard how you broke from a larger, probably even more uh, prosperous church because you were not willing to treat um, people of different sexual orientations as lesser than. What a beautiful prophetic testimony that you made by making that break. And I think there are so many uh, other ways that uh, churches are, um, are called in this time uh, in our communities to, yes, worship, to, yes, study scripture. But as we saw with the civil rights movement, that is the starting point for transformation in our community. It's not the goal. It's not the end point of just getting closer to God, but it's getting closer to God so that we have access to that power so we can be about transformation in our immediate community, transformation in the city, transformation in this greater world. That we're called to be about uh, bringing, ushering in this peaceable kingdom. And so it is an encouragement to you. I, I love your mission statement, Mosaic, that you are seeking to make our great city even greater by joining in Jesus's ongoing work in the world. And so my prayer, my challenge for you is be encouraged in that work. And also uh, to um, not uh, have too small of a vision. Jesus has said he will be with you. His power is with you. And so as you as a community, as a church, are prayerfully looking, what are uh, the ways that our community needs to be uplifted? What are the oppressive systems uh, in our neighborhoods, in our city? What are the ways that we can uh, bring Christ to, um, to our community, to our city, to our world? And that as people see and experience uh, the freedom, the justice, the equity, that they will want to join, they will want to be a part of this peaceable kingdom because they see how good it is. They see how loving it is. They see that there's a different way, a better way to live. And so, uh, Mosaic, my encouragement is to stay strong in this prophetic call that God has given you, this church that is diverse, this church that is committed to justice, that is committed to racial reconciliation. There are not many churches that are doing this. And even though you might be small, uh, you are doing the work that Jesus has asked, the disciples has asked all of us to do. And I'm excited to be a part of it in a small way. And I'm excited to see where God leads you and what God is able to do with you and through you in this new season. As you grow closer to Jesus uh, through your devotions and worship and study 
And as you go out into this world, sharing this beautiful image of a loving God and a loving, uh, equitable community that God wants to create in this earth. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for this uh, great uh, call, this great invitation that you give us to be a part of your messianic work in this world. We thank you that you have not simply given us a call to do better, but that you have said you are going to be with us so that it is possible for us to make change, to bring about transformation, because we are not doing it alone, but we are doing it through your power, through your presence, that we are acting in relationship with you to do this great work in the world. And so, God, we pray this morning that you would help us to draw closer to you, that we would not try to do this work through our own power or our own strength, because we will fail. But that we also are not content to just sit in loving relationship with you, but that the fire burns in us to be a part of your work about bringing restoration to this hurting, this broken, this suffering world. God, we pray for your spirit to teach us how as this small community church, just what that looks like for us, how you want Mosaic to do that work, God. And I pray that as you give a unified and clear vision that you would also give your encouragement, your power to this church, that they would be able to step boldly, confidently, lovingly uh, to do this great work to transform their city as they have declared that they desire to do along with you. So we thank you, we praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Reverend Keith. Um, Keith will be back to give us our benediction at the end. Uh, before Jeff moves into our last bits of our worship while Pastor Angel could not be with us today. She did send along a message and a couple of announcements, so I'm going to share those with you now. Good morning, Mosaic. Um, I'm Pastor Angel, and I want to thank Keith so much for bringing that word to us this morning. I love having an opportunity to uh, minister with Keith, and he is so graciously giving um, us time and we've just, I know, enjoyed his worship and now um, his message. So again, thank you. I have a couple of, uh, or three, announcements that I want to uh, make, and I'll try to make it quick, okay? Uh, the first is that I want to, it's about uh, church council, and I want to thank Judy Ruley for her time uh, serving on Mosaic Church Council. Judy has fulfilled her two-year commitment uh, to the church council and is stepping down. In truth, Judy was stepping down in March, but when all this COVID stuff happened, she stayed on after some gentle prompting uh, to assist us, and we appreciate that so much. Um, and so thank you, Judy. Uh, we're gonna post something on uh, Facebook uh, forum so everybody can give a shout out and a word of thanks to her for her service. So please join us in saying thank you. Next, I am pleased to announce that I made a nomination to the church council uh, and we are presenting to you today the names of individuals we would like you to vote on to become a part of our church council. 
Those individuals are Beth Johnston, Kelly Long, and Andrew Richardson. They represent um, the values that we hold as a church. They are um, love Jesus and have Jesus at the center of their lives. Um, they, my experience with them, they've been wonderful and have been more than willing to jump in and assist um, as needs have arisen in the church. Uh, and so it just demonstrates their love for God and their love for our community, which I think is so important. They also bring a wealth of experience to meet the practical needs of the church in terms of business and our our uh, use of the internet and helping us get to understand the community that we're a part of because they live there um, and, and even have deep roots in the community and can help us as we seek to expand our church to be even more inclusive, which they represent the value for inclusivity within our entire body. And so I think that these three individuals uh, hit on all aspects of our primary values. And so um, I'm more than pleased to present them to you as candidates for um, church council. So our process for church council goes simply this way. I nominate some folks to council, council reviews them. We all sit and talk about and then talk with them to see if they are willing to serve. Um, as, and these individuals said, yes, then we present them to you. you have, you'll have an opportunity on June 7th to meet and greet, which simply means you'll be able to ask questions. Charlene's going to host it on Zoom. You can type in questions or you can ask them directly so you are able to get to, to know them. We're also going to post uh, their pictures and bios on the form so you can read through that and learn a little bit more about them. And then we're going to have a church meeting on June 14th on Zoom, okay? So please clear your schedules, make plans so you can be there because you're important and your input is important in the meet and greet and in uh, addressing the business of the church because we're gonna have our vote during our church meeting, but we're also gonna talk about where the church is since COVID, how our finances are doing, what future plans are. And so we really want you to be there for all of that discussion and to vote for these um, individuals. Um, and so, again, please uh, make your schedules of, uh, open and be there. Next, um, it's time for our church uh, survey. I know that this is something that was done consistently for a while. And then, you know, with all the transitions, it wasn't done. So we want to do it again. We are involved with an organization called Engage that is going to assist us in um, uh, doing the survey. Uh, it is a new company that, and honestly, has asked us to help them as they're getting ready to open and are shaping how they do this process. So it is a, a wonderful opportunity for us uh, to get information that really does speak to us and can help us in what we're thinking about doing with the church in the future and allows us to hear from you which is the most important thing. This is our church. We are a community. And so everyone's voice is, is so important to helping me understand what God is doing in your lives and the planning and how this church is able to engage you, where we're weak and where we're strong and how we can strengthen, we can leverage the strengths uh, and, and help engage the weaknesses. So it's a good whole ministry for all of us. Um, so I'm announcing today that we're going to do that. And that means this next week at eight o'clock on May 31st, we're going to open up, uh, the survey. 
And that means you all are going to receive an email that's going to have the survey on it for you to complete. We have from the four, from the 31st of May until the 14th midnight of June to complete the survey. Okay. Um, and so what you need to know is this, that you can be as honest as you want to be because the I'm never going to see, nor is the uh, council going to see your direct information with your name on it. It is going to go to engage. They're going to analyze it, the information, and come back to us with averages and summaries and correlations that we can, that will help us in the planning. And so your honesty is critical to the process. Your participation is critical. And so I hope that you will. Um, and we'll also have a few questions about how we reassemble ourselves um, as, as a community in light of this ongoing COVID uh, crisis. So I really need to hear where you all are with that. And lastly, it's just a thank you. Uh, and thank yous are not never just, they are kind of the most important things. I want to thank each and every teacher that we have, each and every participant we have um, in our children and youth program. Um, you all are vital uh, to helping us continue this ministry. God has blessed us with so many kids and knowing that there are people who are willing to help them, to spend time with them, to teach them and, and to teach them in light of our experiences so they get the best that we have to offer gives me joy. I love sitting in service and hearing the little feet running around upstairs. That means to me that everybody in our church is being served and I love it. I love it. And so I want to thank you for that and being available and just ask the Lord to bless you for your offering, for your giving of yourselves. So easy sometimes to send money. It's something else when we give ourselves to this. And that's what our church is about. We are this wonderful, inclusive mosaic of people who want to be interrelated with one another, living our lives with Jesus at the center, making our community a better place. And I want to thank you for representing that within our church. And I, and I just want to thank everybody for that. We have that in our church and we are allowing it to flow outside of our church. So again, thank you. God bless you today. Get some rest and I will see everyone next week. God bless. Bye-bye. Fantastic. So Jeff, I'm going to turn it back over to you for one more uh, worship song and then uh, Reverend Keith back with the benediction. I want to thank Keith again for that message. It's really timely and it reminds me of that children's story where you don't hide your light under a bushel, you let it shine. And especially in this day and age, um, it's hard because we have our guards up. But I want to encourage everyone to let their light shine as Jesus did. Show that compassion, even if it's a friendly wave to the SEPTA bus driver. My kids do it all the time, and I really think it spreads joy in their lives. So serving can be very practical. It doesn't have to necessarily go to be going to a homeless shelter to feed the hungry, although that's great too. We can all be practical with the ways we show compassion in that world and show that Jesus is inside one of all of us. God of justice, Savior to all, 
came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not be served. Savior to all came to rescue the weak and the poor, chose to serve and not be served. Jesus, you have called us freely, we've received now. Freely we will give, we must go, live to feed the hungry, stand beside the broken, we must go, stepping forward, keep us from just singing, move us into action, we must go. I just see every day, loving mercy in every way, walking humbly before you, God. You have shown us what you require. We Just singing, move us into action. We must go. Fill us up and send us down. Fill us up and send us down. Fill us up and send us So for Benediction Church, simply share Jesus' words to all of us. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me.
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Be blessed.